1: Hey, guys, with sports betting season in full force with football here, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BETUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1-800-69-BETUS. That is my Bet US, you receive one hundred twenty-five percent sign up bonus by using bonus code. SST-125. That's SST-125. They have re-up and referral bonuses. Also, BetUS is known among America's favorite sportsbook for lots of reasons. Bet on team and player props, loads of NFL futures, UFC matches, PGA golf, live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games. The racebooks has all the horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable. Follow my lead and get your phone online and sports betting partner with Integrity and longevity. Like I did. Bet US. You bet. You win. You get paid. Bet US.
2: In the South, it's always college football season. And the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Now, more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver
3: Show on Southern Sports Today. All we got. All- it's all college football on Chuck Oliver's show. That certainly was the case in hour one. Who was here talking college football with Chuck? Well, it was day bar two. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's Tuesday, bottom of hour one every single tuesday it's bar two day and we talk coaching changes and player changes and agents trying to get people hired and such uh it is an all-encompassing job man if you're in the people business in college football pro football as well you come today that's what a lot of folks do uh, so i appreciate uh him making time and coming on right now let me get you up to date <laughs> Everything
2: you need to know about college football every single day. This
3: is CFB 365. Headline, South Carolina quarterback Nolan to have surgery for torn meniscus. Um, that'd be Zeb Nolan. And he was not having a great day, um... Throwing the football had like thirty yards passing, had a snap go over his head when he was trying. He's actually coaching on the field, not actually ready for the snap. Uh, so just a, it's it hasn't been um, a same second, say three or four games as it was for Nolan at the beginning of the season. Uh, the Eastern Illinois win, the East Carolina comeback. Uh, Zeb Nolan did some good work, but he is out now, surgery for torn meniscus. Now the the thought is, and I'll talk more about their depth chart as we go through the program. Uh, but the thought is that he is, or what's being said, he probably out for the rest of the season. There's a chance he comes back, but I'm not sure why, he, or he could come back. He would be able to play potentially, but I'm not sure why. Uh, headline, Texas Tech fires Coach Wells after two-plus seasons. Yeah, two-plus kind of sort of okay seasons, and I thought Matt Wells did a pretty good job at Utah State, jumps up into Power 5 in a conference where there's just a lot of weirdness going on. Didn't affect him in any way. They just didn't win enough games, and uh, as we were talking about in uh, Hour 1, there are times when we have schools announce firings following a dub and folks outside the local will almost always say, hey, well, why did they fire? They, they won. They just beat Florida. Why are you firing run Because the previous night you had already put the wraps on plans that started coming together on the plane back from UCLA. So it just happened to fall on that day. It, if you'd have worked out the details, you might've done it after the Bruins loss. So Matt Wells gone. Um, I don't know if this is a headline or not. Are we all aware that Michigan, Michigan State, they're undefeated? Like, it's 7-0 versus 7-0. Top two, Number 6 Michigan at East Lansing, number 8 Michigan State. I don't know if you're going to watch it, and I don't know if you... I don't know if you care yet about Michigan or Michigan State. Maybe after Saturday, we will. Dan, get a guest on, depending on who wins. Uh that's honestly that's as deep as it goes. That's the, the Dan, get a guess. Headline. Boy, this is heading for a uh <laughs> is heading for a very definite outcome. Headline. Harson declines to address BACS status after Auburn mandate. If you haven't followed the law, why is Auburn doing this? Two hundred million dollars. What? Why has Auburn got a mandate? Um I I don't really talk politics on here, and so I'm just going to report some facts here. Uh, President of the United States issued a federal mandate that if you're involved with federal contracts in any way, all your employees must be fully vaccinated or no more contracts. Well, Auburn is a public research facility, and as such, they got contracts totaling more than $200 million a year. And the president's like, yeah, no more, unless every employee is vaccinated. So Auburn set the date, I think it's December 8th, uh, and every employee, you have to either be fully vaccinated or I think you're two weeks out from your first shot and then eligible and then you get your second, they'll go fire you after that. But on December 8th, hashtag Nick Rolovich, if you are employed at Auburn and you don't have your vaccine yet, then you're not going to be employed at Auburn anymore, and that includes the football coach, and they don't have to pay you a buyout. I mean, I'm not being glib here. Maybe if you just waited around, hey, Gus, how do you feel about vaccines? I don't think I'd get it. Hmm, maybe one more season. <laughs> hey, dude wouldn't get a shot. We're not paying you anything. Um, and I'm not, again, I, Brian Harsin on the field and with the program, I think it home run. I mean, everything you look at, and not yet, and it's not the outcome. I mean, we're two months into his first season. As far as on field and where he's taking the program, check the box, check the box, check the box, check the box. Love all of it. As of yesterday, he is still refusing to clarify or to actually even just state his own vaccination status. Um, We can... Infer that he's not vaccinated, but if he's still, I said this is coming to a definite outcome, he's still the head coach after December 8th. Well, it means dude got a shot. So uh, consider yourself up to date. Uh, We're going to take a break here, come back. More college football conversation next on the Chuck Oliver Show.
2: Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver show on Southern sports today.
3: Chuck Oliver show continuing on a Tuesday all week, all year. It's all college football. There is an sec head coach who right now is asking the last question you ever want to. Okay. Uh, before we start practice today, uh, who played quarterback in high school? That would be Shane Beamer and all interested parties on the offensive coaching staff in Columbia, South Carolina. Who played quarterback in high school? And that is the that's the entry level qualification for well, you may get a few reps. Because what do you what what can you do? Okay, Josh, uh you played quarterback. Yeah, what offense did y'all run? Oh, the Veer, yeah. Okay, all right. Who else played quarterback in the high school? Anyone? Right now, the depth chart for the South Carolina Gamecocks. Told you, Luke Doty. He got injured and left against who? Vanderbilt, and he's now out for the year. It was a foot injury, and now Zeb Nolan, the former assistant coach, graduate assistant coach. Called back onto the field, which he could have played, but he's like, now nah, I'm going to move on." And it's like, "Oh, well, I guess I'm going to play." Well, well, he's not going to play, at least not for a while. And again, the word is uh, he may be out for the season, and uh, can he come back? Um, he's he's not going to play. So who are you two now? Uh, you are down to Jason Brown, who is a either a senior or a fifth year senior, maybe from St. Francis. I said Excelsior yesterday. I think Assumption is the other place that South Carolina has gotten transfers. But Jason Brown is a quarterback who transferred in from St. Francis, along with I believe it was Jenkins, the big receiver on the outside. So right now you're two deep at quarterback for a Southeastern Conference program with still a month left in the season. Transfer from St. Francis, freshman. Who basically hasn't played. More about that in a second. And then you have a wide receiver and a carry on Joyner who has played before. And you've got a walk on kid. That's it. Colton Gauthier, of the four games remaining, he's the freshman. Do you you know why he may play? He may play because you have to have him play, but not more than just three of the remaining games. Why not? Because against Eastern Illinois in the season opener, he threw one pass and then had some kneel downs. And this is not a magic year anymore where, oh, play whatever you want to. Doesn't really matter. It does matter. So the true freshman who was behind Jason Brown, there's actually going to be a Saturday. You don't want to play him because then you burn his entire freshman season. So that's where you are right now. If you're Shane Beamer, you're looking around asking folks, hey, who played quarterback in high school? I had a buddy of mine at Georgia Tech. He was a freshman. He was a high, played high school linebacker. And that's what he was good enough to do. Named Todd Gibson. And our freshman, I'm at Auburn. He's at Georgia Tech. And he's like, yeah, Bill Curry put up a flyer around campus. Anybody play high school football? We got some injuries. He's like, suddenly I'm a linebacker at Tech. This is quarterback in the Southeastern Conference, not the ACC back in the mid-80s. And that's where Shane Beamer is. Now, the upside, at least to one opponent, is I said earlier in the year after Clemson had the call at home in Georgia Tech, I said, folks, let's just have a fanciful conversation. What if Clemson goes, let's say, nine and three? At this point, Clemson has to close five and oh to go nine and three. Uh the season has not gone anywhere what people are used to, and rightfully so. Uh off the of exit nineteen, I want to welcome on now, a good friend of the program, guy who talks Clemson every single day, uh, <laughs> on his station one oh five five, the roar there in Clemson. It is Brad Sendkiff. Brad, brother, how you doing today?
4: Chuck, I'm doing great, man. Good to talk to you again.
3: Yeah, I appreciate some time. Um, If you need to go all the way back to the Georgia game, or maybe it was the off season, how are we where we are right now? Where it's not DJU lighting up the you know the stats every single Saturday, and the Clemson offense just humming right along, and the defense well, they're how is how has this season become at this point a four and three season for Clemson? Well,
4: it's so many things, Chuck. That's the thing. I I really wish it was just one moment, one fixable issue. Like I would be so rich right now. Like I would sell it to Dabo Sweeney and you would not be having me on because I'd be on an island somewhere not answering your calls. But that's just not how football works. It's so many different things. It's offensive line of play, lack of continuity, and chemistry. It's injury after injury after injury. It's DJ just not completing, you know, easy passes. It's receivers dropping balls. It's systematic stuff. It's recruiting issues i mean it, it's you know stuff on the staff it's just one thing after another that just has added up to get to this point where close is four and three and looking like a pretty mediocre football program right now
3: where they are right now again that i didn't expect um break down the like the quarterback too deep and what you think the rest of the season is going to look like
4: yeah you know i there's a chance you see more Tyson Pumachan moving forward, and I, I don't know if that's a bad idea. I think when they pulled D.J. Leongole out of the game Saturday against Pitt, it was more just because he threw that pick-six on the shovel, and they just wanted to kind you of know. get in time to, to just kind of think and you know get himself together. It really wasn't like a, oh, boy, here we go, it's a seismic shift at the position. It wasn't like that at all. He came Just take, back a, and take a breath. Later. Yes, exactly. That's what it was. But they've opened up competition. This week. And, and, and the reason I said that you could tell that that was the case was they didn't run anything for Tyson Povich to put him in position to be successful. We'll see if that changes this week. I would not be surprised to see two quarterbacks play. And at this point of the season, it's 4-3. and three. Why not? Why not use both guys? Why not just kind of go with the hot hand? I mean, like Steve Spurrier-esque type decision-making here. Use both players and, and, and see what they can do. But let both players play. Like, don't just... Bring one in and say, you're going to run the football or you're only going to throw this route. Like, let them both go do something. The problem is, they don't really know what they want to do with this offense right now.
3: The offensive line, I could say, hey, sophomore, sophomore, sophomore pair of juniors, but I mean, it's Clemson at those programs—Ohio State, Bama, whatever. Um, you get a kid in as a freshman or a Mitch Hyatt, a Jackson Car, who comes in early and plays a bunch, and that's just what the program is supposed to be. Tell me now, half—or actually, two-thirds—the of the way through the season, um, anything on the offensive line that has surprised you in a good way? In
4: a good way, you know, I think there is, there has been. Uh, Some elements to Marcus Tate, the freshman, being forced into a tough situation playing guard. He wasn't ready. Uh, I think they knew he wasn't ready. They didn't have any choice. You're seeing him grow up, and that's going to pay dividends down the road. Now, people don't want to hear that. You know, that's not the the sexy thing to say. Oh, don't worry. This freshman's is going to be good two years from now. I I do think Jordan McFadden has played well at left tackle. Uh, He moved over from right last year. He's not getting a ton of publicity because not everybody up there is playing well. And he's had his... His mistakes and his errors, too. You can't not mention him in terms of that, but he's still been pretty steady at left tackle. He's not getting hit a ton. And I, think, I think that's what you've got to point to. At least the pass protection, he's not getting pummeled. And he's big and he's strong. He can take it. But at the same time, he's not. And the part of the problem, though, with the offensive line that I see is D.J. does not take deep drops. So these guys are surrounding him as he's trying to throw the football so it looks like he's being pressured maybe more than he actually truly is.
3: Let's talk Saturday's matchup. Um, And I was not expecting to ask this question, especially after, I mean, what I thought of just Florida State dropped them in the fishbowl the first month of the season. Um, There's a threat level here. Clemson absolutely could lose this ball game. Uh, And Florida State fans are going, no, 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 you don't know how bad we are. Uh, No, uh, Clemson can lose this ball game. um, But that's my opinion. Tell me what you believe the threat level is from the Seminoles this weekend.
4: I think it's fairly high because what I see from a Florida State team is a big physical defensive front. And right now, with Clemson's inability to find continuity up front, you know Matt Bockhorst, their uh, left guard, now gone for the year with an ACL injury. So that's just less depth, uh, less continuity, and they can easily get pushed around by this Florida State front. And if that happens, and the run game can't take off, oh yeah, by the way, they lost Kobe Pace, one of their running backs. Uh, Who's on the COVID protocol list this week? So he's out. They got two running backs, basically, and both of them are freshmen. So I would say, yeah, Florida State's got a decided advantage up front. And if they can turn that into, you know, a low scoring game, like Clemson's playing all year, and it's it's a tight battle at the end, sure, I think there is a chance Florida State could could pull the surprise here. You know, the the question is how much uh, can, can Florida State get by? with moving the ball against that defense. I mean, really, there's not enough dynamic players on the Seminoles' roster to really force Brett Venables to get super creative. So he's going to try to keep Jordan Travis in that pocket. If he does that, I think Clemson's got a good chance to win it. But, Chuck, we, we have enough of a sample size now to know no game feels safe right now for Clemson outside of UConn and probably South Carolina.
3: Goodness. And uh, real quick, this is it's 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 Moffa and Shipley, and that's it?
4: Well, yeah. oh, they got it running back this week with Kobe Pace on the uh,
3: COVID protocol. Yeah, Darian got like a receding hairline and, I mean, some gray coming in <laughs> now too. So, <laughs> all right. Well, that's what the running back too deep. Uh, brother, I appreciate the input as always. Thank you, man.
4: Yep, no problem, Chuck. Take
3: care. All right. Um, boy, that is – if you want to crystallize it there, um, I know that had injuries and departures and et al – uh, you got Will Shipley, who's a five-star. Phil Moffa, who I believe is a four-star. Um, and then you've got Chesma Lucy, who's he's at Wisconsin. You got Demarcus Bowman, who's at Florida. You got a lot of it's. I mean, it's not quite like South Carolina quarterbacks that have scattered to the wind, uh, but there are a lot of former Clemson running backs at other places in college and pro football.
2: Now back to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show.
3: All week, all year, it's all college football on the Chuck Oliver Show. Dealing it out two hours a day, nine states, 55 sticks. Appreciate everybody putting that blessing in my life. And uh, we are joined now by, I'm going to call him a friend of mine, friend of the program from 790 in Houston, Texas. Uh, We are here to talk a little SEC football with Chris Gordy. Chris, how you doing, man?
5: What's going on, Chuck? We're in the mix, midst of this, uh, you know, we have like half this, the league was off last week, half the league is off this week, and it's like we're, I'm having to talk myself into making some of these games exciting because, man, what a what a crud week it's been, like last week and this week.
3: Yeah, I, I was going back a couple of weeks ago looking at, I remember the ACC schedule, I think it was two weeks ago, I said, there's not one compelling game in your entire conference this week, and that's when you have to go to two things. Pac twelve after dark, Mountain West after midnight. <laughs> right. You got options, man. You can be watching college football till two A.M. Let's uh, start in the SEC, certainly in the West Division. Uh, and I'll I'll begin in Baton Rouge. Um I haven't heard nearly as much conversation, conjecture, questioning, even discussion about firing the head coach a year and a half after giving him an extension, there's supposed to be some built-in conversation. It seems everybody involved, including Ed Ogeron, realized... Yeah, this is probably for the best.
5: <laughs> and what does that tell you? I mean, it's, it's the right decision. I mean, there's been so many situations where, you know, you kind of said, all right, do you give him a little bit more time? Last year was a fluke with COVID and all that, all the opt-outs. You go five and five. Everybody understood the situation. He was going to have to come out this year, hit the ground running, and really start to turn some heads. And, man, from that that week of the UCLA game where fans were just so excited about making that trip, you know, LSU and the Rose Bowl and out west and all this – and so many big-money people made that trip, when I say big-money people like LSU supporters, boosters, and all that. And they felt embarrassed watching their team get pounded in the trenches, both offensively and defensively, by UCLA. A Pac-12 team is beating us up in the trenches? That's when I think a lot of the big decision-makers behind the closed doors said, all right, this is it. And that's where Scott Woodward, the athletic director, started going, all right, do we have the money for the buyout? yes. So I think the decision was kind of made then. Then you go and blow the game against Auburn where you have a, a double-digit league going you know, into the fourth quarter. You blow that. You let that one slip away. And then you go up to Kentucky and get embarrassed, run off the field. And, again, a lot of big-money people made that trip as well. I was up there. I think that all combined just kind of said, all right, now is the right time. He's kind of not going to say lost the program – but it's slipping away from the elite status where we want to be or we expect our, ourselves to be. And it's time to make a change.
3: We see times when, you know, Jeff Collins takes over for Paul Johnson. He's juggling chainsaws. I mean, that chains over from that offense is a kick in the pants. Whoever takes over for Mike Leach in two years, 10 years, whatever, it's going to be a big changeover. I look at LSU and I don't mean to sound like crazy, you know, fill in the blank, you know, fan base, but... I never say plug and play with a new coach. Man, that roster has talent. And by the way, you're the school in a state like Louisiana for recruiting, there's the opportunity to add even more talent to that roster. I mean, for a coach, LSU's got to be the bell of the ball as far as open
5: jobs. That includes Southern Cal or anybody else. Yeah, I laugh when I see people say the USC job is better. Oh, because it's L.A., because it's sunny and all this. It's like, yeah, but they don't win. They're not good at football. Like, LSU is in such a talent-rich state, and it's crazy. When you look at all the numbers of the, the people that are in the NFL, how many of them are from the state of Louisiana? It's just like a breeding ground. You know, Georgia is another state. We see all these states that they're just breeding grounds for, for NFL-caliber talent. LSU always has great talent, and the best part of that job is you don't compete with anybody in the state. You know, in Alabama, Nick Saban, you're competing with Auburn. In Texas, you're competing with UT, A&M, all these different schools. In Louisiana, you know, Louisiana Lafayette's not stealing any of your recruits. So there's really nobody else. You can keep the kids in state. And you know the greatest stat of all I keep seeing is, man, when you look at the fact that the last three head coaches at LSU have all won national championships, that right there says it's the best job because anybody could come into that program now and have a chance to win a title. not saying they're going to win – 10, 11 games every year, but somewhere in a four or five year stretch, you are going to have a chance to win a title.
3: There are exceptions and I'll give Southern Cal credit because they dip into the South probably more than any other program out there. Oregon does an okay enough job too, because I know players in Oregon, but I, you don't see articles about, How would the South keep all their best players from heading to Oregon State and Cal Berkeley? You know, what? you could Google your computer right now and find 15 articles written this month about, wow, all the best high school players keep going, you know, east of Texas. Um, And so that I, I saw the same conversation about the Southern Cal job. And I'm like, yeah, you can go out there and get paid and make money and potentially win games and maybe be better than UCLA. But. That ain't what it is in the SEC. Certainly not at a program like LSU. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you want a place with real expectations and and the opportunity
5: to win big, right? And that's the thing. I mean, most coaches uh, they have egos. Like it's, people are always like, "Why would you want to go to the SEC West? It's brutal." Every one of these guys thinks they could come in and win. Like, don't get it twisted. The, the paycheck's big, and and that's great. You get all these fancy perks and all that. But there ain't a coach out there in college football that looks at a job and says, man, that's too intimidating. I don't think I can win there. They're all egotistical. They all think I can be the one to go in there and win. And I can beat Nick but no problem. So they all kind of think that way in that mindset. But Sean Salisbury is one of the hosts on, on our station. He's a USC guy through and through. And even he has said, man, we have let so many quarterbacks in our backyard get out of the state of California." California, like you mentioned matt corral jt daniels all these guys from the west coast bryce young have, they've come over to the sec and they're and they're thriving and having success here they're not stupid they know what they know where big boy f- football is played and where all the the national spotlight is so look at where we are right now uh chuck we're literally talking about bryce young versus matt corral for the heisman like those two guys are at the center of of the spotlight nationally so um yeah i, I think um I think it's going to be an interesting search for LSU. I know Mike Tomlin's name has popped up. He, yeah, made, he tried to pop it out. Yeah, he made a comment today and said, uh, "said there, there ain't a booster that could write me a big enough check." And I'm, I'm like, good. "Yeah, you say that until they slide that check in what front about, of
3: you." Uh, is Lane like
5: tier one or tier two? Everything I've heard is Lane wants this job. Lane absolutely wants. He looks at this and says, "Look, I'm 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 having a nice run at Ole Miss. I ain't ever going to win a title at Ole Miss." If I go to LSU, I can win a title there. So everything I've heard is he wants a job, but somebody said this to me the other day. He said, man, you're talking about Coach O and all the -the off-the-field issues and taking pictures with girls in bed and all this stuff – and your option is to go to Lane Kiffin because you don't want the clowns, the circus that comes with That's it? That's not him anymore.
3: It really isn't. I mean, are you are there folks who still talk about – and be honest, there are folks who still talk about Lane as if he's at Tennessee it's or not,
5: – It's not that, Chuck, but it's still the get your popcorn ready. There's still all the tweets and all that. There's still a little bit I, – I agree with you. He is very toned down from where he once was, but Lane's still got a little bit of that – you know, cringe factor at if, times. If
3: if Chuck Oliver is AD or president or board of regents or whoever makes the call in Baton Rouge, Lane, here are the keys. You don't care? Let me know when you're done. <laughs> you, you Get back to me when you're done.
5: I'm with you. I think, though, he has got to hit a home run higher on a defensive coordinator.
3: He could do it. Again, at LSU, um, they're paying... Guys to not be decent. Right, exactly.
5: At least one and maybe another one <laughs> uh, coming there'll, up. There'll with will be a couple of day. them here real soon, yeah. Uh,
3: all right, well, let's stay in the state then. Uh, Mike Leach, uh, I've talked about this concept. Mississippi State fans, they just saw the numbers at washington state oh that's scoring 43 a game right. got all these passing yards and uh look graham Minshew. Uh, we he's he was basically a local kid to miss his like he's not that good and he led the, the division one in passing yards welcome to starkville i was like folks that was year seven yeah at washington state uh they thought it'd be outdoor arena league and it is a little bit of a build up, isn't
5: it? it is and i I just think defenses these days are are too good um you know one of my bold predictions before the season was that this would be the last year of mike leach in mississippi state i thought they would run him off um he's been able to win some games that i didn't think he would win i thought that that non-conference schedule uh i thought they'd have some pitfalls there they did lose the memphis game like i had predicted but i thought they'd have a couple more losses at this point i think I don't think he's going to do enough to lose his job this year. I think he's going to be, uh, he's still, he's going to stay there in Starkville. But man, sustainability. Can that offense uh, sustain and have enough, enough success? I think, like, when you look at numbers, Will Rogers is having a nice year. I mean, his arm is about to fall off. They're on 67 passing yeah. attempts a game. But, like, I'm with you. I just think it's. It was a great concept. Oh, the air raid offense, man, let's bring it in here. And they have a pretty decent defense. Like, they, oh, yeah. they've they yeah. done a pretty good job there. But, man, I just, uh, I just wonder, can this sustain it? And what's your ceiling? What do you want at Mississippi State? They were knocking on the door when they had Dak Prescott and, and Dan Mullen and all that. I just wonder, like, what's the ceiling? What's the goal? Want to be you, like a seven-win team every year? Is that what we want to do?
3: You, you know what the real blue sky in Starkville is? And this is going to, uh, man, God, this is such a tough reality for everybody who's a Mississippi State fan, what your legit ceiling blue sky goal is, is what Ole Miss has right now. Yeah. You want to be a fun team that is also winning, and by golly, we're in the mix. I mean, I don't know who wins the Egg Bowl. I know that that's high up on the list of priorities. Sure. But isn't Ole Miss, I mean, I haven't seen much conversation about the Rebels that involves, hey, what will happen in the Egg Bowl this year? Hey, how does the math work (laughs) for the Rebels to reach Atlanta? Yeah. I think Starkville, like, that. no, that's what we're supposed to have.
5: Exactly. Or even, you know, can we get to the New Year's Six Bowl? Can we win Matt Corral the Heisman? I, I, think, I think that's what Lane, when Lane lost to Alabama and said, look, we're probably not going to win the West, I think he looked at it and said, we are going to throw the crap out of Corral. We are going to get him the Heisman. Remember, at Alabama, down the stretch that year, was it, was it Derek Henry? Man, they ran him into the—he was trying to get him the Heisman. He was getting, like, 30— I think it was
3: the final 17—I'm not kidding. The final 17 plays of the Iron Bowl— <laughs> Go look at it, yeah, Derrick Henry. It was across two possessions,
5: 17 straight carries. He made it his mission objective. We are going to win this guy, the Heisman. And I think this past week, Matt Corral was banged up. He got banged up in that Tennessee game, and he kept playing it up last week. I don't know if he's going to play against LSU. He knew knew damn well he was going to play. And even though Corral wasn't 100%, he still... Got enough rushing yards, threw enough passing yards. I think he's still right there in the middle of the conversation. And I think that is Lane's MO down the stretch of the season. Get Corral the Heisman.
3: I never made five and a half million a year. I aspire to at some point. I don't know like the string of things that needs to happen, but I've never done that. So that certainly colors my perception. Do you think Brian Harson will walk away from five and a half million dollars a year just to let me put it this way. For five and a half million dollars, I may let you and check me with COVID, <laughs> much less a vaccination yeah. against COVID. Yeah. Do you think he – because Nick Rolovich is just like middle finger. Right. Like I, these I, jobs are precious, folks.
5: Look, when you have beliefs you have convictions, I say a lot of times stand by them, but then there's also things where – I like my job a lot, and there are certain things if my boss asks me to do it, I, maybe I'm just the old school mentality, I shut up and I do it because my boss asked me to do okay,
3: it. Okay, so you turn the crank and there's some music and I jump around for a peanut. Is
5: that right <laughs> yeah. for $5 million? I mean, you know what? I, I'm your guy. <laughs> it gets to a certain point. I know it's a very de- de- divisive topic and all that, but, man, it's do do your own research, do what you need to do, come to an understanding where you are. But if you're Brian Harson, man— You've actually got this train on the tracks. You're you're doing a pretty good job.
3: Yes, and I was going to ask you just the – because earlier in the show when I was talking about the fact that, you know, Auburn has the mandate now in December 8th, whatever. Um, I was like, if we could just be talking about what's going on in the field right now. I was like, anybody looked around? Auburn's a pretty – you know what the word I always use? You want to be buttoned up. Yes. but And everybody knows exactly what that means. It means pre-snap penalties, yep. uh, but
5: just horrible turnovers. You want to be buttoned up. Don't they – don't they look a lot more buttoned up than with Gus? They do. And Bo Nix is actually playing pretty good football right now. I know, look, he he had the bad game against Georgia. Everybody has a bad game against Georgia. But I, I think Bo Nix is playing pretty well. And, man, if he could string together th- – this weekend's a big one. This weekend's a big one for, for Auburn. If they can somehow find a way to play well and get this win. And, man, Vegas – Vegas keeps coming in at Auburn. That scares me a little bit because yeah, everybody's saying that, that they're going to win. But uh, yeah, I, I, I Are like you a man who ganders at a point spread every now and again. A little bit from time to time, okay. I take a look, uh, put some shekels on it. But no, I think uh, I think Bo Nix has a real opportunity here to finish this season strong. And man, we could be he could be getting a, a lot of hype this off season uh, when we start to look ahead to next season because nobody thinks he's leaving early, right? I mean, he's going to be back for nope. another year. But maybe Bo Nix Heisman talk next year. We'll see.
3: Last team I want to ask you about, of course, uh, SEC West, and we're here, Texas A&M. Um how does it look now versus for the fan base versus how it looked after we lost to Arkansas and State?
5: <laughs> it is a season of what if, Chuck. That is what the Aggie fans are asking right now, because they're playing their best football. Zach Calzada has finally figured it out at quarterback. The run game is working. The offensive line's getting healthy. Uh A chain and, and Spiller are two of the best dynamic back, you know combo backfield in America. And they're gonna they're kicking themselves. They're going, My god, if we just could have won one of those darn games, we'd be right here in the thick of it. You you're sitting there just cross your fingers hoping anything that alabama could lose another game it ain't gonna happen they're gonna win the west but man Jimbo, i picked them to win the west this year i thought they would beat bama in uh in college station just because of that environment they did beat bama i just didn't see think that they would have the two losses going into it and yeah it's gonna be a season of what if they're gonna go to a nice bowl game they're gonna finish strong but man what if what could have been
3: you know it could be just coincidence but that psychology of quarterbacks there are 50 different ways psychology of quarterbacks comes to roost every Every single season and this one, I mean, I don't think it just happened that as soon as Haynes King was announced, he's out for the year. Suddenly he's out. Zach Calzada didn't look like he exhaled a little bit and got kind of got calm. He's oh. like, all right, well, I guess I'm the guy. Yeah, it's- And it got better.
5: He was so bad in that Colorado game. And then he was so bad. I forget who. They played some slappy a week later. Kent or New Mexico. Yeah, they played one of those. Yeah, <laughs> And so he was so bad. But you're right. It was like almost like it's announced he's out for the year. All right. Take a deep breath. This is my job now. And I'm going to take the, the bull by the horns. And credit Jimbo. You know, we've called him the quarterback whisperer at times with what he's done with EJ Manuel and Christian Ponder and all these guys. And he, seemed, he seems to be working wonders with Kelzada.
3: Chris Gordy, Sports Talk 790 in Houston, brother. appreciate you. Time. Absolutely, Chuck. Anytime. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, wrap up on a Tuesday on the Chuck Oliver Show.
2: The king of college football no matter where you go with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. I was looking at the numbers and I just could not for the life of me believe how... Bad Miami was on both sides of the football. But you're right. You can't just keep turning these things over. It affects the kids. It affects the program. It affects the culture. So I think we just got to hold our breath right now, not get too far ahead of ourselves. He's dug himself an enormous hole. Uh, but he has the talent to dig it out.
3: Dave two earlier today, hour one, talking about the Miami Hurricanes and Manny Diaz, that he has dug himself an enormous hole. He can. He's got the talent to to start Shoveling his way out. Now, he may have began that last Saturday. Um, they got a home win. Not, I, I've i always said the absence of travel, at the very least, and for the Miami Hurricanes with their home fan base, it applies. The absence of travel, to me, is always an advantage. And so, at the very least, it may be a neutral for your opponents because, again, NC State, you know, getting on an airplane and then looking around and, you know, seeing however many people – not in the stadium, it didn't spook them. Okay, so it was a neutral for NC State, but the absence of travel maybe an advantage for Miami uh, or any team there. Well, they get a dub? And so they they pull to three and four. Toughest part for Manny Diaz to 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 dig his way out of this. They may lose their next four games. They're good enough to possibly win all four. I don't think that this Miami team. They don't really look like a. Six-game winning streak sort of team. And that they closed the regular season. Wallace Wade Stadium, Durham, North Carolina. I am going to predict 14,000 people there. Dan, make a note. Fourteen thousand people. That's just, and I'm not trying to be crappy or anything, but November 27th, we'll just check. Um, they're winning that day. They really should, barring a mutiny, and it turns into Rikers Island. Have you seen that? What's going on at Rikers? Like guards have said, yeah, y'all just y'all 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 be in charge, um, unless the Miami staff looks at the players and says, yeah, we're not making the trip this weekend. Y'all y- y'all run the place. Um, they're going to beat Duke. Prior to Duke, however, Pitt, Georgia Tech, Florida State, Virginia Tech. Are any of those teams great? No. Pitt's really good. They're ACC Coastal good. And that is a problem for Phillips and everybody in Greensboro. But again, that's a problem for them. Pitt is is really good. They're really ACC Coastal good. Kenny Pickett, you know all about it, and the defense. And we rush the passer, and they do. All of that stuff is true. Um, Miami goes on the road to play Pitt this weekend. And then it's Georgia Tech, which I don't know of Georgia Tech, which you know side of the EKG they're on. FSU game, if you care, it's in Tallahassee. And then Virginia Tech. Again, what's going to happen in those games? I don't know. They could win all of them. They could lose all of them. Do you know what keeps me from saying they could win all of them? Because Duke is the last game, and that would mean that this team put together a six-game winning streak, and that is just not going to happen. Dan, how are you today?
6: You know, as we close out today, it's one of those things that I'm reminded of, especially with this new opening at Texas Tech with Matt Wells now being gone, is I've talked about before the concept of know who you are and, and know and be honest with who you are as a program. And Texas Tech is a program that really for the most part, aside from that 2008 season when they lost a couple of games, Still went to the Sugar bar uh, excuse me the Cotton Bowl and got crushed by Ole Miss. Now again the Cotton Bowl at the time was still at the old stadium, so it didn't have the profile. It was a good bowl game, but it wasn't the great ones or the elite ones that you that was see the with everybody. Else. Texas thing wasn't it? That was yeah. yeah I mean that was Ryland Reed. That, that was all of those players. Graham Harrell at yeah, quarterback. So all those things for Texas Tech and for the most I, part. I, I, yeah, somebody put it. Somebody who covers the team.
3: I was I was waxing about, man, that was a great team. He's like, all right, so you got the greatest quarterback in program history and the greatest player in program history, and it got you as high as number two for a week.
6: Right. I mean, that's pretty much it. They, they are pretty much on the same level that a Mississippi State is, where for Mississippi State, they're going to be talking about for years, hey, remember that time we were number one, but then we played against Alabama? Yeah, we had that Dak Prescott guy. It all worked out. That's exactly what Texas Tech is, and it's the question of, too, who do you go after as a head coach? The honest truth is there, Chuck, you can't go after the Retread, who's at the end of his career and not necessarily going to be motivated to be able to make Texas Tech into one of the new teams that you talk about. Let's see Tommy Tuberville. That's exactly what happened there. He took over. He had already said, hey, I've been here, done that. If I don't win, I'll just move on and go somewhere else, which he did. The way that they got to look at this, they got to look at it as we need the guy that's going to be able to energize this program, but also, too, as well, we need the guy who we might not outwardly say it, but we know soon enough, somebody's going to come calling for them if we're good enough.
3: No doubt about it. Um, And that's why, you know, even like mid-tier programs, it is that, uh, you know, good feeling, bad feeling when you have a coach that you know that you can't hang on, like Ole Miss. Do you really want to win the West? What happens if you win the West at Ole Miss? You lose your coach. Barring something really unforeseen to me. uh, So you got to decide when you're going to be all in and what the payoff's going to be. The worst part is when you don't even win the division or the conference or go to the bowl game or win a national championship and you still lose your coach. All right, wraps it up on a Tuesday from Houston, Texas. Chuck Oliver Show. Be back in 22 hours with more College Football Conversation.